Welcome back to the program, friends. This is Corbett Report Radio. I am James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, joining you tonight, as every night, from the land of the rising sun, Japan, where I'm broadcasting to you all the way live from my living room. So, once again, thank you for joining me here tonight, and it is great to talk to all of you in this global transmission against tyranny, or should that be a transmission against globalist tyranny? And globalist is a term that we throw around quite a bit when we're talking about the they that we often refer to when we talk about the people who are manipulating our system. And I'm sure that many of you out there probably don't need great detail into why this is the term that we use or what this uh, this term really means or the ideology behind this. But sometimes it is good to go back and to look over our assertions and our assumptions and to question them and to, uh, to once again remind ourselves what it is that we're facing and why we are opposing it. So tonight I want to go over globalism and global government and the moves towards the globalization of, of, our, of our nations, not just our nations, not just our states, but, uh, but of our individuality and our metamorphosis into a collective and a collectivist consciousness that will uh, ultimately only serve those who are already puppeteering the system. And I think that's a key point, and it's one that uh, there are many different aspects to explore. And uh, my mind got headed in this direction by a very interesting piece that just came out on thenewamerican.com. UN report, NATO's Libya war armed Al-Qaeda. Shock surprise. Of course, that's exactly what we've been talking about for, um, well, for ever since the war in Libya, which isn't war, it was a kinetic military action, of course. Ever since it began, that's exactly what we were talking about and how the uh, U.S. and NATO was working directly with the al-Qaeda that is so detested and so feared and such the such an amazing boogeyman that we have to give up all our rights and liberties and be scanned and screened and frisked at the airport and all of the other things that we have to do to combat this, this evil so the scourge of terrorism and here they are in collaboration with NATO uh, in, in the destabilization of Libya. And uh, now we have uh, the ridiculous scenario of a UN uh, mission to that area reporting to the Security Council that, oh, by the way, that NATO mission kind of, uh, well, it, it made gr- gun running worse and it made crime worse, organized crime. And, oh, yeah, by the way, it, it aided the terrorists. Well, we again, we didn't need to hear this from, from some UN report, but the fact that the UN is reporting on it basically to itself and to its own sword, which is uh, the Security Council and uh, NATO and its own role in Libya, well, all of that is extremely interesting, and I'd like to start dissecting that tonight. So we're going to be talking about globalism, world government, the UN, and all of those associated concepts but we're going to have wide open phone lines tonight, no guests tonight. So if you would like to get in and break up the monotony of my droning voice, you can get in with your dulcet tones at 1-800-313-9443. That's 1-800-313-9443 to get up and on the air. And on that note, I should let listeners know that uh, next week I'm going to be out of town working on a project for Global Research TV So I will not be here for the broadcast, but do not despair and do not change the dial. We're not going to be playing rebroadcast next week. We're going to have guest hosts. So I have a series of guest hosts lined up for next week, and this is the tentative schedule. Um, I still have to finally confirm everything. But Monday night, it seems we're going to have Lieutenant Eric Shine on. Uh, Tuesday night, we're going to have Madison Rupert of EndTheLie.com on. On Wednesday night uh, next week. Uh, we're going to have James Lane of uh, the documentary film A Noble Lie, exposing the OKC inside job. 
hosting the show on Thursday of next week. It will be James Evan Filato of MediaMonarchy.com and FoodWorldOrder.com taking over the transmission. And then Friday of next week, we tentatively have Richard Grove and Lisa Arbicheski of TragedyHope.com lined up. Once again, that's just tentative for now, but I will uh, confirm that uh, as, as we progress throughout the week. So keep in mind, next week we're going to have a series of guest hosts on the program. And tonight we're going to be talking about globalism and globalist tyranny. So if you want to get in, once again, 1-800-313-9443. We're happy to have you on the air. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. Everyone I know goes away in the ultimate. What does it take for you to live your life right? Do you dream? Can you sleep at night? Why does it feel that you are constantly tested? All right, friends, we're back here on Corporate Report Radio, and we are going through the globalist institutions that are being set up in order to create the one-world monopolistic system that can be ruled very easily from the very top. Once again, my mind is brought to this subject by a new American.com report, uh, UN report, NATO's Libya War Armed Al-Qaeda. And this uh, report starts, the Western-backed overthrow of Libyan strongman Muammar Gaddafi likely provided huge stocks of heavy weapons to terrorist groups and criminal organizations operating in the Sahel region of North, North Africa, the United Nations confirmed January 26th in a report. Among the groups benefiting from the arms are Al-Qaeda and the deadly Islamic terror organization Boko Haram, which is currently on a killing spree in Nigeria. The UN report explained that due to the Libyan upheaval, governments in the region are faced with the return of millions of economic migrants, the smuggling of weapons from Libyan stockpiles, terrorist activities, youth unemployment, trafficking in drugs and human beings, and a surge in criminality, the international body summarized in a press release on its findings. But the international body carefully ignored its own obvious role in creating the tragedy. The UN, of course, first called for the no-fly zone over Libya and all measures necessary to protect civilians in March of last year. Western powers, including the U.S. government, promptly interpreted the international resolution as a green light for military strikes and eventually regime change. So I'll end the quote there. You can go on and read the rest of the report. Of course, I'll put it up in the show notes for today's episode at corporatereport.com slash radio. And uh, and you can go and read through the, uh, the, the write-up there. I think it's a pretty good write-up. And it points out in that third paragraph, I think, the most important part that, once again, it was the UN itself that really was the body that legitimized and institutionalized the slaughter that went on in Libya and the destabilization of the governments. But now the UN is saying, oh, well, you know that bombing that, that we did? Well, it seems that it actually destabilized the area. And now terrorists and youth unemployment and tr- drug trafficking and and uh, all sorts of arms running and all sorts of other things are going on now because of it. So uh, so it's it's one of those things that's uh, extremely interesting to see because as we all saw, as we all watched in horror unfold before our very eyes last year, the Libyan situation was dangled out and, and put in the, uh, the nightly news on a nightly basis for day after day, week after week, month after month, until the public could be whipped into a frenzy of hatred for this Muammar Gaddafi they have to go out and get him, and they have to do it at any cost. And, of course, it's great that NATO's going in. NATO is just the, the saviors of the world, and it's the U.N. Security Council. I mean, they, they approved it, so it's all good. Of course, the U.N. Security Council only approved a resolution that, that called for a no-fly zone, which somehow immediately got translated into a bombing uh, uh, intervention. So, 
So once again, we know how all that unfolded. If you don't know some of the details, I cannot recommend strongly enough a documentary called The Humanitarian War that goes through how uh, certain international pressure groups, lobby groups, basically put pressure on the UN Security Council to pass their resolution. And it was through that pressure that the, uh, the resolution got passed and then the bombing began. And now, of course, now that everything's going to hell in Libya, the uh, the media is turning its back on it because, well, why would it report on it now? It's not a news story anymore. Now it's just business as usual as Africa continues to live in squalor and uh, caused by the the continual destruction and looting of their economy by the West. And it just goes on and on and on and on and on forever. And unfortunately, so much of the public can be, can be led along with it because they believe in institutions like the UN and the Security Council and all of these other international crony capital organizations that really are not there to protect your interests. It's all just a smokescreen. And I want to get into some more of that, specifically with the UN and some of their notorious abuses. But we already have a caller waiting on the line, so let's go straight to the caller. We have Hadding from Florida. So Hadding, thanks for joining us tonight. What's on your mind? Well, first, uh, uh, you know, the propaganda against uh, Gaddafi goes way, way back. He, the Libyans even were in the, they were the bad guys in Back to the Future. That's like the mid-80s. That's right. I remember that. Yeah, they, right. they stole the plutonium. <clears throat> but I want to, I, I, problem I have, you know, it's the same old thing in Libya as with Iraq. You had a stable secular government, and it got knocked down, and now you have, relatively speaking, chaos. You know, a lot more crime going on because the strong man's not there to keep things in order anymore. But uh, what I my, I object to uh, the use of this term Al Qaeda. <clears throat> the government, the U.S. government uses that word, and they they use it very irresponsibly. Um, there's pr- pretty good indication that there's no such thing as Al Qaeda. Um, there's a uh, the the head of the uh, German intelligence, the Bundesnachrichtendienst. Ernst Urlau, he said, the Federal Intelligence Service, that's the German Federal Intelligence Service, has always said that we have seen no no connection between al-Qaeda terrorism and the 9-11 attacks and the Iraqi regime, head of German intelligence. And there's also a reporter for the uh, Manchester Guardian named Jason Burke, who has looked into the matter quite a bit, and he says there's no such thing as al-Qaeda. The whole... Uh, Al-Qaeda story was cooked up after the African embassy bombings in 1998 because um, the people that actually were involved in the embassy bombings were acquainted with Osama bin Laden, but there wasn't really any organization. They needed to invent the organization in order to prosecute them using the RICO laws to basically, the way they'd go after the the mafia or the mob, they they wanted to create this organization. So they did it from the ground up. They they had, uh, what what, what was his name? There was an informant who came along and created this. That's it, Al-Fadl. Yeah, Yeah, they got this uh, guy, Al-Fadl. They paid him a lot of money, as I understand. And he said, oh, yes, there's this organization called Al-Qaeda. Never existed. So all of a sudden, uh, uh, almost Osama bin Laden is being charged under RICO for involvement in the embassy bombings. And when the World Trade Center attacks occurred, they they brought up his, the federal government brought up his name immediately as the probable perpetrator when they certainly had had no time to do any investigation. 
So uh, this is just ridiculous. Absolutely. Well, you're exactly right on all of those points, and um, and I'm not sure if you're aware or if some of the listeners are aware, but I, I started the creation of a documentary called Al-Qaeda Doesn't Exist, and you can actually see the, uh, the beginnings of it at al-qaeda-doesn't-exist.com, and that was a couple of years ago now, and uh, it is, it's only the prologue and the first part of what was projected to be seven parts, but unfortunately I just have never had the time to actually uh, finish the uh, the job on it. But, uh, but I do start to go into some of that history and how Al-Qaeda is a complete creation of, of the media, really, and, uh, and the government, obviously, uh, puppeteering it in order to try to create this illusion of, of what I think everyone now pretty much understands was just the creation of the next boogeyman after the fall of communism. And, uh, and that, that can be seen. I mean, that narrative was being written already in the, uh, in the late 70s, early 80s, when, uh, when they were really starting the, the demise of the Soviet Union and looking how to puppeteer the system into the next phase. So, um, so absolutely right on every single one of those points, and I couldn't agree more. So, uh, so I agree, and, and that's why I often refer to al-Qaeda as al-Qaeda, because it is somewhat more realistic. But, well, the uh, thing is, though, if you say that, then people will still think that there's some substance there. You know, they'll say, oh, well, you know, Osama bin Laden was working for the CIA, so therefore this whole thing is a false flag operation operated by the CIA. But there isn't even an organization. True uh, enough. There are uh, there were some people who were, uh, I, I mean, I, I, I don't doubt the existence of bin Laden or, um, or some of the people who were involved with him, but uh, I, I agree. I don't think it was an organization, yeah. and I don't think that he was uh, directing anything, really. And uh, if anybody wants more information about that, there's a program called, I think it's The Power of Nightmares. That's right, BBC documentary, excellent, uh, excellent documentary. Uh, in some ways, in some ways. It, it, it sort of feeds into the, uh, the War on Terror paradigm in other ways, but uh, certainly the, uh, the Jason Burke interview talking about Al-Fadl and the creation of Al-Qaeda, I think absolutely imperative that people understand that. All right, thank you very much. Thank you very much for the call. Thank you uh, for all of that input. Absolutely important that we do stress that. So so thank you for that. And uh, once again, if anyone else wants to get in, 1-800-313-9443. But uh, I wanted to start tying in this uh, this latest UN report into some of the reports about the UN itself and what it really is. And once again, I'm sure that a lot of you out there probably don't need too much uh, information on this. But uh, the New American has a related link from that article I was just reading from that I thought was particularly uh, apropos talking about the UN, and it's from September of last year, and it's uh, UN troops accused of sex crimes worldwide. Quote, outrage is mounting around the world against United Nations peacekeeping soldiers as sex crime allegations ranging from charges of rape and exploitation in Haiti to widespread sexual abuse of children in the Ivory Coast have exploded into the headlines this week. One of the most alarming incidents in recent times Several Uruguayan troops serving under the UN in Haiti held down and gang-raped a teenage boy, was documented on video, and spread over the Internet. The crime sparked even more anti-UN protests in the poverty-stricken Caribbean nation. Past demonstrations related to UN troops spreading cholera, abusing citizens, or other matters have resulted in Haitians being killed by international forces, but this time the concerns are being taken seriously. And once again, this report goes on in some degree of detail about some of the uh, some of the really sickening, horrific past of the UN peacekeeping missions that have gone on. And uh, and and people will point to any one of these stories and just say it's a few bad apples. But when you start putting the pieces together, it certainly adds up to more than that. It's it says that the seed itself is rotten, and the only thing that can spring from the uh, rotten seed is rotten fruit. 
So uh, so that's really what we're dealing with, and I'd like to get some more into that. Again, we also have another caller holding on the line, so we'll get back to him after we go to break. And we'll continue exploring the various ways in which we're being indoctrinated into believing that somehow global government or coming together is not only a good thing, but is a natural process and is the end result of all of these centuries of conflict, and it's going to be the ultimate resolution well, I, uh, I tend to disagree with that, but I'll make my case in some more strong language when we come back from this break. So once again, don't touch the dial. We'll be right back with your calls after this. Okay, friends, welcome back to the broadcast. James Corbett here of CorbettReport.com, and tonight we are going over the United Nations, world government, and the idea that somehow putting all of our eggs in one basket is going to be the best idea that humanity ever came up with, because as we know, the creation of large, centralized federal governments have worked so well for each individual nation-state that the only, only way to proceed from here would be to give all our sovereignty up to some great, big, loving leader who will take care of us and swaddle us in the comfort and, and clothing of, of world government from cradle to grave. Oh, what a lovely, peaceful image that we're being sold and force-fed on a daily basis through so many different pieces of propaganda and indoctrination. So I'm going to try to shake anyone who might be under that sway out of it tonight, or at least give some people who understand what's going on some ammunition for fighting back against that propaganda image. But again, we have a caller waiting on the line, so let's go to the calls. We have Mike in Maryland. So, Mike, uh, thanks for joining us tonight. Hey, uh, thanks for, for taking my call. It's really a pleasure and an honor to talk to you because I uh, really uh, appreciate the, uh, the videos that you put out and your information because you talk about, you know, the events of the New World Order onslaught in a very calm, reasoned, and intellectual manner in a way that, you know, it's easily... It's easily digestible and, and, and understand. And, and for me now, I'm a member of DC911Truth.org, and we used to put out the Rock Creek Free Press. I don't know if you've ever ran across that paper. Or not. Oh, I certainly have. In fact, I've uh, corresponded with him a little bit. Okay, great. Yeah, and so we discontinued the paper, and you know, because we just couldn't make a go of it. And for me, 911 Truth was the entree if you will, into the imaginations of the New World Order. And if it wasn't for this gravelly voice uh, Texan named Alex Jones, I probably would still be one of the lost sheeple out there hating every Muslim that uh, I ran across. And I didn't want to believe 9-11 truth. I, did, I didn't want to believe it. And he, oddly enough, Alex Jones and GCM Live was on AM radio here in the D.C. area. And I just happened to stumble, stumble across a show by accident. And once I found out the truth about 9-11, I would buy these. Uh, this is before I had a computer. I was listening to my shortwave radio. I would buy copies, several copies of uh, 9-11, The Road to Tyranny, and other DVDs, and hand them out, loan them out to people, and talk about the websites and places to go to, because I just 
couldn't believe that, you know, I just felt this compulsion to spread the truth in one manner or another. And I've done things with Weird Change and, you know, uh, uh, done some activism things. And I haven't been as active as I used to be. But I know you're talking about the new, you know, the one world government and things. But 9-11 Truth was kind of like the, 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 the door that opened onto everything that was going on. And we were being attacked on so many different fronts. I mean, from the food safety, from uh, surveillance, police state, to everything. But to get back to the United Nations, um, you know, it's just uh, the precursor was the League of Nations, and they wanted to form a one-world government then. And Absolutely then, right, and, and it's, it's exactly right on the back of every world war and on the back of every major conflict and major world event, it's always the renewal of the rallying cry for world government. So it was World War One, League of Nations, World War Two, United Nations. Um, after the uh, during the the time of the first Persian Gulf War, they they were uh, obviously Bush came out with his New World Order speech, and right after 9/11, it was CFR globalist insider Gary Hart who came out and said, "I think now would be the perfect time to implement what uh, the president's father talked about. I think only once, and that's a New World Order." So it's it's exactly right. It, after every crisis, they always have this solution right up their sleeve, ready to pull out at any time. Yes, the old uh, cliche, I'm sure you've heard it, order out of chaos. They've got all these things waiting on the shelf. And all I have to do is just do a little investigation and the UN. And the um, original head of the UN was a uh, convicted uh, communist spy, Alger Hiss. And the uh, United Nations uh, Charter is based on the Constitution of the Soviet Union. So they have all these high-minded-sounding things in their charter, but the very end says, well, we can negate those whenever we want. And if you Absolutely look at right. the, and, how and, the UN Truth Yeah, if you, look came, at the, if you look at the Charter of Human Rights, which, by the way, was written by eugenicist H.G. Uh, Wells, at least the first draft of, of which, um, they have all these beautiful, amazing, wonderful rights, but the last one is, uh, or the last couple points basically say, well, if, if the UN disagrees with you, none of this applies to you. Or if you disagree with the UN, either way. And uh, and let's not forget former UN Sec- Secretary General Kurt Waldheim, the uh, the ex-Nazi. So uh, yeah, it's absolutely based on a collectivist system. Surprise, surprise. And yeah, and so many of the uh, former head of the UN, they're they're either uh, you know former third world strong men, uh, hardcore socialists, or ex-Nazis. And uh, you know, it's, it's not the kind of uh, people you want to put any faith in. And uh, I go to movies fairly often, and uh, I was. Unfortunately, at the movie theaters here in the U.S., uh, you know, they have these little commercials and they have a public service announcement, all these Hollywood actors singing the praises of UNICEF. And if you explore UNICEF, you know, it's supposed to help children, but it does just the opposite. And you have all these... Uh, oh, here comes break. All right, yes. And we have another caller waiting on the line, so I think hey, well, we'll have to you. now. But, Mike, thank you so much for the call, and thank you for those points. And we'll be right back uh, with the more calls and also more talking about world government and the, uh, the march towards the United Nations after this. You just do as you're told. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.
I hurt myself today to see if I still feel I focus hard to interrupt Johnny Cash isn't it but sometimes you just got to do it so at any rate we're back here on Corbett Report Radio talking tonight about globalism international bodies like the UN and the way we are being conditioned and prepared for the inevitable world government that they want to bring in and it's all so much easier when they can prepare our minds for it and that's being done in oh so many different ways including all sorts of insidious ways to do with the indoctrination of youth, including the uh, the makeover of uh, G.I. Joe and you know, the all-American hero who's uh, now an international fighting force for the United Nations and all of that kind of silliness at one point, at one stage, at one level. It is just complete, total silliness, and, uh, and what does it even matter? But at another point, why does it matter? Why are they shaping the, uh, the minds of children so much to try to to love the UN, why are they always pushing the UN in front of children's faces and making them carry around their little UNICEF boxes on Halloween? And uh, and and to think about the, uh, the United Nations, uh, what is it, the model UN that they do with the, uh, the school children to try to indoctrinate them? And oh, this is how we resolve things at the international level. This is where the real decision making takes place. And one day, if you're good enough, you know, you're, you've been specially chosen because you're smart enough and apt enough to follow this. So one day, if you're good, maybe you can make it into the real UN, and then you can really have power like Morris Strong and all the other cronies who have gotten into those positions of power. And again, there are so many aspects to this, but uh, I, I think just some of the headlines that I have in my United Nations folder in my uh, in my list of uh, articles, and by the way, that's for people out there, I would really recommend that they do keep a, a list of uh, just every time you see an interesting article on the web, please save it to your hard drive. Please make a copy of it so that uh, when and if it gets scrubbed from the Internet, as is more and more likely in our post-ACTA world, or when and if the Internet itself go- disappears or they start disconnecting individuals from the Internet or making you thumb scan to get online, well, at least you'll have some of this info in your armory, your info armory, to, uh, to back you up. And so I have uh, I have quite a list of uh, articles about the UN that I've accumulated over the year- years, including uh, ones like ex-UN chief with Nazi past dies. We have uh, UN announces Green New Deal plan to rescue world economies. Uh, we have peacekeeper jailed for porn films, uh, peacekeepers abusing children. We have UN defends Congo gun running op, uh, UN complicit in forced stellar- sterilization, UNESCO and the New World Order in their own words, UN troops armed Congo rebels, uh, UN peacekeepers food for sex, Ivory Coast, uh, it just goes on and on and on and on, and you literally just can't even go through all of the abuses that have happened through the auspices of the United Nations, but try to tell that to someone who defends the United Nations and the goals that it represents. And of course, each and every single one of those instances, well, that's just a case of some bad people in some bad positions who unfortunately got some authority they shouldn't have had. But don't worry, once the UN becomes total and complete and we have the one world government and the one international order that we can direct from on high, well, then that will never happen. There will never be abuses in that system. Of course, we know that that's all a ploy, but we do need this as sort of background so that we can tell people and and perhaps articulate a little bit better what it is that we're opposing and why it's such a danger and I have uh, I have some interest and well an interesting clip of Walter Cronkite coming up here in a few minutes. But first we have a couple of callers waiting patiently online. So let's go to the calls. First we have Rick in Nevada. So Rick, thanks for the call. Thank you. Uh, Johnny Cash is a tough act to follow. <laughs> I'll do my Mighty best. tough. 
Mr. Corbett, uh, I hope that you are dipping your index finger into iodine once every three months and uh, eating your uh, ginger root to, to prevent, uh, in the case of the latter, the uptake of isotopes, uh, uh, radioactive isotopes of cesium, and in the case of the former, radioactive isotopes of iodine. I, I am aware of the iodine. I honestly, I'm going to admit, I had not heard of the ginger root, so I'm going to look that up as soon as we get off air. Start uh, peeling your ginger root, slicing it, pickling it if you want to, or just eating it bitter. But, uh, it'll it'll help you. I'm going to do now, it. Thank uh, you. Heading on to the uh, the UN, I see the UN as the the, the latter day and far less efficient uh, killing machine on the model of the German killing machine that. Uh, uh, that uh, surrounded and then uh, starved and then rounded up and moved out to Warsaw Ghetto and basically uh, was a, a genocide against the Warsaw Ghetto. And if we don't turn back the tide, we are looking for, looking toward a systematic Warsaw Ghettoization of the world. And the United States is one of the strongest bastions against that. And I have an idea. I want to bounce off you. And that is... There's this um, convention conference of United States county sheriffs in Las Vegas going on, and I hope some of them or some of their their uh, supporters are listening because what I suggest is uh, county sheriffs with the cojones to support local men who uh, will go in convoys and uh, challenge TSA checkpoints, armed convoys, where the sheriff's deputies and or the sheriff himself uh, escort the convoy and go up to the TSA and their agents and say, this is an unlawful blockade, disperse and allow us to pass. I'm 100% in agreement with that. I think that's the only way to go, and I really hope that that, uh, that that does make it to the table. And on that note, I had heard of a county somewhere in California that was uh, that, that had been talking about doing that. If they had received any complaints, they would go and arrest the, T- the TSA agents. And uh, I never heard anything more about that. That was a couple of years ago when, when the opt-out day was making headlines. But uh, absolutely, I think Americans don't appreciate their county sheriff system nearly enough because uh, as a Canadian living in Japan, I can tell you most other places in the world don't have such a system. And it is a way to really take a local control and power and authority back into the hands of the people. Support your constitutional county sheriffs and That's oust it. Your, your fascistic, phony, crackle ones. That's it. Keep keep the power as local as possible and keep it uh, absolutely as limited as possible. So I agree completely that that's, uh, that's definitely an effective way to get back and try to bring the power back to the people where it belongs. Thank you, sir. Get your gym through. All right. Thank you. Thank you for that. All right. And uh, let's move along. We have another call on the line. We have Bill in Connecticut. So, Bill, thanks for calling. Hello. Hi, Bill. How's it going? Not too um, bad. I had, a, had a, a family member that uh, just uh, uh, getting done with their college education, and, uh, and I just sat down with the kid and said, you know, hey, you know, by the way, what are you, what are you studying in school? And she said, she says, uh, urban, urban development. Like, you know, urban development, what's that? So she sat down and, you know, she told me all these things about, you know, about the future and what a great job she's going to have and everything like that. And what I wanted to ask you was, 
is that urban development um, fall under the same category as what's, what's known as, I think it's called Agenda 21? I, I definitely think there can be some, uh, some, some points of congruence between them at any rate, absolutely. And uh, it brings to my mind things like Plandopolis, which if people haven't seen, is this, uh, this absolute bizarre propaganda that they've come out with for the, the cities of the future that will watch and monitor everything you do. But they, they, it's, it's absolutely the most nightmarish thing I can think of, but they genuinely put it forward like it will be such a great thing. And that's what I think of when I think about urban development. But, uh, but obviously, I mean, there's many different ways, uh, branches and, and fields involved in there. So I, I don't know pr- particularly what uh, what your relative might be thinking of. Right. Neither do I. But I, I did know that she did. She was explaining to me that they give incentives for the students, um, you know, like discounts and, and stuff like that to, to learn these things. And they really they push it. They, they sell it. In the schools, and um, I, I think I think it's just my opinion, but you know, I could I, I could definitely be wrong as well too. Um, that um, I think it is leaning towards you know this UN agenda that you're talking about, and you know, corralling everybody um, into inner cities. Um, you know, and I sat down. I said to her, I said, "What is your goal after you you know if you want when you get out of school and you want to apply your Education and you know into into real life experience. What what are your goals? And she says, "Well, I want to get married and I want to have a house in the country." So I said, "Well, you know, if if you're deploying um, a, an agenda of urban development, what makes you think you're going doesn't to have that, a house yeah, in the country?" Doesn't that tell you something? Right. Exactly. You see, so uh, you know, and it kind of like struck a bell. And you know, for me, that's like you know making that kind of connection somebody um, is, is kind of like giving them a small dose of reality of, hey, you know, you might be doing the wrong thing. You, you know, try try doing something different. But what got me upset about the whole thing was that, <laughs> you know, here's now now you got to now you got to pay off this so-called education, uh, uh, you know, that you're not even going to apply because you know that you're not doing the right thing, people, and then you got the student loan to pay off. So. I think a lot of I think a lot of kids are are really being, <laughs> you know, deceived into taking certain courses. And and if any kids are listening, and you're going to go to school, you better start asking questions about, you know, like what you're going to be studying and and how it's going to be used in in real time. Because I think there's a lot of mo- motive, you know, the modus, you know, all, excuse me, ulterior motives to um, what they're what they're trying to. Uh, tell tell these innocent kids is is something that's going to educate them and and they they can have a good job doing this and 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 from what she told me with the salary range for it was like it really wasn't anything spectacular you know but but definitely more than you'd make at uh, the two corporations that are doing very well right now Walmart and uh, and I'm loving at McDonald's those are the yeah. those are the big two so uh, you know yeah. but anyway. Well, I- I, I certainly can sympathize with what you're saying, and I, I certainly agree. Unfortunately, I'm not one to really lecture anyone because I have an English literature degree, so um, so I'm just deploying my talents in the only way I can, which is using my a gift of the gab, if I have any at all, to try to stab it straight into the heart of the New World Order and bring down the system. But uh, but absolutely, I, I couldn't agree more how much of a waste my education was in terms of uh, everything that I learned I could have learned on my own and uh, probably uh, infinitely more cheaply, so... 
So absolutely, it's, uh, it's, it's people really in this day and age have to look at themselves in the mirror and wonder what they're really, really going to do with their lives and whether they really need that degree in whatever it is that they think they need in order to, I don't know, somehow justify their existence. But I, I agree, and I also think that the urban development is is a very ominous uh, field altogether because we know that the urbanization of the globe is something that's really starting to affect more and more people around the world as as we get herded into these cities that are these big social experiments, basically. Yep. So so I agree yep. with you. Anyway, we, we have a clip to get to, and we're running out of time here, so I'll have to let you go. But thank you so much for the call, Bill. Okay, thank you. All right. Okay, so thank you to all the callers. But uh, as I say, wait, I have a clip because I wanted to demonstrate. I've been talking about the propaganda that we're fed um, for world government and to prepare our minds for world government. And I wanted to demonstrate one small, tiny facet of how that works, but I hope it gives an, a good indication. We're going to listen to a speech that, uh, that Walter Cronkite gave in 1999 on the occasion of him receiving an award from the World Federalist Association for being such a great proponent of global government. And yes, that's Walter Cronkite, the old news broadcaster. So let's listen to this speech, and it, it has a surprise appearance by a certain politician at the end that I'll let you wait for. Most important, we should sign and ratify the Treaty for a Permanent International Criminal Court. That is now at the core of the World Federalist Movement's drive. That court will enable the world to hold individuals accountable for their crimes against humanity. Their leader, Pat Robertson, has written in a book a few years ago that we should have a world government, but only when the Messiah arrives. <laughs> he wrote, and literally, any attempt to achieve world order before that time must be the work of the devil. Well, join me. I, I'm glad to sit here at the right hand of Satan. <laughs> Let us hear the peal of a new international liberty bell that calls us all to the creation of a system of enforceable world law in which the universal desire for peace can place its hope and its prayers. Thank you. we would like to bring you a message from the First Lady of the United States, Hillary Rodham Clinton. Good evening and congratulations, Walter, on receiving the World Federalist Association's Global Governance Award. For more than a generation in America, it wasn't the news until Walter Cronkite told us it was the news. Every night at 6 o'clock, we welcomed you into our living rooms and listened as you explained the complex events of the day. Whether it was the space race or the Vietnam War, presidential elections, or peace treaties, you were there telling us in simple yet riveting prose what was happening. You became a trusted member of my family and the families across America. For decades you told us the way it is. But tonight we honor you for fighting for the way it could be. We honor you for lending your voice to the cause of human rights around the world and for your lifelong commitment to international human rights law. From your reporting on the Nuremberg trials to your work with the WFA campaign to end genocide, you have stirred our consciences and challenged all of us to live closer to the words of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. All human beings are born free and equal in dignity and rights. 
So thank you, Walter. Thank you for inspiring all of us to build a more peaceful and just world. We are still listening to your every word. And with your continuing leadership, we can sail across these unnavigated seas into the 21st century. And there's no better captain I can imagine than you. Thank you. Oh, dear. I don't even know what layer of the onion to peel back on that one. There are so many layers of propaganda and dissembling and in-your-face just gloating about their coming world government that it's uh, quite sickening. And uh, there you go. There's First Lady at the time, Hillary Rodham Clinton, honoring and celebrating Walter Cronkite, that uh, that famed Operation Mockingbird, trusted CIA stooge uh who's uh secretly oh by the way always been a stooge for world government and now that uh, his career's over in 1999 he's there to tell you about it and to gloat about it and get receive his awards and honors and laurels from the uh, the new world order for having served them so, so faithfully for all those decades but there you go it's just uh it, as i say that's just one tiny aspect just a tiny glimpse of how the indoctrination works but uh but suffice it to say when you see these people who sit in their million dollar sets with their Twenty thousand uh, dollar, you know, suits and cameras and all of that equipment. It's being paid for someone, and it's being paid to sell you an agenda, in the exact same way they'd sell you a tube of toothpaste. And world government is their holy grail, and they will keep working for it for decade after decade after decade. At any rate, we'll take a short break, and we'll wrap things up after this short break. friends we're back here on corporate report radio stabbing our our knife right through the heart of the new world order and uh and here we are trying to to just warn people about what uh, i'm sure all of you know but just trying to put some of the uh, the info out there on the table that the uh, wonderful loving propaganda that they love to swathe the united nations in and the idea of world government and the international criminal court is all a complete and total lie and it is all there just to convince people to go along with it just enough that they will give themselves over to this world government and all that it represents. And all all people need to know for sure is that it represents tyranny, it represents plunder, it represents the, the rule of the very few uh, over the very many. And uh, And one aspect of that came up in that Walter Cronkite clip where Clinton was praising Cronkite for being uh, such a, a strong advocate for the International Criminal Court and the idea of the international... Uh, justice system and, and bringing people to justice internationally. Well, not only is that a farce, because we see things like the ICC was trying to prosecute Gaddafi for his alleged uh, giving Viagra to his troops to go rape Libyan uh, women that, uh, that were against his rule. And, and, of course, that turned out to be a, a, a completely and totally fabricated story from start to finish, but it had made the 24-hour news cycle before it was discredited, so uh, so I guess it did its job. But uh, but then the International Criminal Court, of course, uh, has yet to really do anything about the uh, the assassination of Gaddafi when he was a captured prisoner of war. Of course, against again, another international war crime. But but that one that one we can let slip because it was the right side doing the right thing, and that's exactly how this always works. And uh, and I think one of the best ways to understand this in its current context is to look at the responsibility to protect. 
This is the way that they've dressed up this uh, this idea that uh, the UN and NATO and all these outside forces can come in and invade any country for any reason whatsoever. And even if you're not a fan of uh, Syria and Ahmadinejad and all these other places around the globe, it doesn't mean that you have to be on board with uh, with bombing their citizenry back to the Stone Age. I don't think that's the uh, the way forward. And I think uh, an excellent editorial along those lines comes from Pepe Escobar of Asia Times at atimes.com. He wrote a really good editorial back last August called R2P is now Right to Plunder. And uh, it just starts off by saying the white man's burden doesn't allow asking Africans what they think about the current Western monarchical Arab onslaught on the northern shores of their continent. At least some are not beating about the bush. Over 200 African leaders and intellectuals released a letter in Johannesburg, South Africa, stressing the misuse of the United Nations Security Council to engage in militarized diplomacy to affect regime change in Libya, as well as the marginalization of the African Union. As for the Western winners in Libya, they are not even playing smoke and mirrors anymore. Um, it goes on from there. I'll let you read it. We're running out of time here. But suffice it to say, absolutely, this responsibility to protect, which is the new key buzzword that uh, that came to the fore during this Libyan invasion. It has been on the table for about a decade now. They're really hyping it up now as this new uh, paradigm for international intervention. And, of course, again, it's just trying to strengthen the international institutions by which this is supposedly made possible. And the ultimate uh, desecration, of course, came when Obama said not only does he not need Congress's approval to wage this kinetic military action, but that his authority actually came from the U.N., so uh, so we see it going further and further and further with each new step and each new just dipping us a little bit further down into that puddle of the uh, the global government system. And uh, eventually it becomes a system that's that's just by default. It's by de facto because it just is there and we've just accepted it. So once again, uh, I, I agree wholeheartedly things like uh, getting uh, getting on board with your county sheriffs and getting them involved in going after TSA abuses and whatever way you can find to try to get power down to the local level and to try to take it out of the hands of the globalists is what we have to be concentrated on right now. But we are running out of time here. So once again, I want to thank you for joining me this evening. And I will be back to you tomorrow night with Michael Vale of StratRisks.com to go over all the latest geopolitical headlines. So I hope you'll join me then. Until then, thank you for listening and take care. Attempt to achieve world order before that time must be the work of the devil. Well, join me. I'm glad to sit here at the right hand of Satan.